Someone once said, nothing is worth anything if we don't have peace. Do you think that's true? I do. If we don't have peace, we can't enjoy anything that we do have. And without peace, the sweetness of life turns sour. Without peace, our focus fumbles. Without peace, our rest becomes restless. I don't know if you've noticed this trend, but but recently peace seems to be as scarce as toilet paper and hand sanitizer. I know I've referenced toilet paper and hand sanitizer last week, and I think in the week before, but I'm on a roll. I will talk, promise to stop talking about it uh, when it's no longer a relevant topic, and for me that may mean that I will never stop talking about it. Moving on. During the normal course of life, we all experience strained relationships. You know, we all experience anxieties about, about life and fears and fears about the future. You know, that's true whether we're talking about our immediate future, like next week or next month or even six months from now, or a future that is further off. And for many people and from many people's perspectives, you know, more uncertain than ever. How much peace do you have? Perhaps a better question would be, do you have all the peace that you need right now, in this time? Let me ask you a couple questions that will help you answer that question. If you have difficulties dealing with these things, it may indicate that you have uh, a lack of peace and your peace needs pumping up. First of all, how how do you deal with silence? Do you deal well with silence? Or do you always have to have noise on in the background? You know, like the radio or like music or like the TV or the news. You know, are you a CP24 junkie? If you are, you can stop the quiz right now because you have to admit you have no peace whatsoever. Stop it. Do you sleep well? How long does it take you to get to sleep? If it takes a while, why is that? Is it just a normal pattern? Is it, is it a physical problem? Is it an age-related problem? Is it a spiritual problem? Or is it just that your mind won't shut off? Are you able to find it easy to stay on target? You know, can you focus on things that you need to get done or are you easily distracted? Are you unable to concentrate because your mind wanders? Are you unable to concentrate because your mind wanders? Are you unable to... Never mind. Slow down. Can you slow down? Do you find it easy to slow down and relax? Or does your mind continue to work overtime? Are are you one of those people that needs to be kept busy because you don't like where your mind goes when you have time on your hands? Do you find that that you are good at living in the present? Or do you spend most of your time thinking about the past or worrying about the future? Now, I I realize this last question is a bit unfair under the present circumstances. But still... In general, a month ago, two months ago, were you good at living in the present? 
You know, chances are many of us identify with at least a few of these indicators given the the COVID climate that we're presently facing. With that in mind, today we're continuing with our cultivating series on the fruit of the Spirit by looking at how we can encourage the growth of peace in our lives. Let me remind you of our text, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and uh, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there are no laws. When, When we think of peace, we usually consider a peaceful life. A life that doesn't have troubles or, or conflicts or problems. You know, if we were to consider peaceful as being the same or in the same ballpark as, as quiet, then Toronto's become a much more peaceful place. You know, we have much less traffic, we have much less people walking around, much less noise. You know, there's no doubt that Toronto is quieter. You know, if you have to drive anywhere like Sheila does to, to take care of her mom or David does to go to work, you have noticed that traffic has become a breeze. Kids' lives, usually full of school and after-school activities and programs and parents driving them to and from event after event, all of that has come to a stop. We, we have more time together. I'll leave that up to you to decide if that creates more peace in your life or not. And if someone were looking in from the outside without any knowledge of what was actually going on, they would think that Toronto is this peaceful place where people have learned to relax and enjoy life. Of course, being on the inside of all this, we know that even though we have more time to ourselves and less traffic and noise and busyness, somehow all these peaceful changes don't add up to less stress. And right now, Do you have more or less peace in your life than you did a month ago? Clearly, peace isn't just the absence of being busy. And peace isn't the same as being calm or quiet. We tend to look at peace as the absence of hostility. But the Bible doesn't picture peace that way. Now, peace is big in the Bible. For example, in the Old Testament... It is that beautifully nuanced word shalom that we we see all the way through the Old Testament. Shalom describes an all-around well-being. It's freedom from fear. It's, It's contentment with a capital C. It's contentment in our relationship with God, in our relationships with others, and in our relationship with creation itself. Now, the situation our world finds itself in at present is that our circumstances aren't suitable for producing a feeling of well-being. You know, this is an immense problem when we connect being at peace with having peaceful circumstances. Thankfully, the Bible's much more realistic with its teaching on peace. Much more helpful. You see, the Bible teaches that our peace isn't dependent on peaceful circumstances. It's not dependent on peaceful circumstances. 
Henry Newman once said, Peace is not the absence of conflict from life, but the ability to cope with it. There once was a rich art patron who, who funded a contest with a substantial prize for the artist who painted the best picture of peace. Many artists tried, and the patron looked at all the pictures until he narrowed the field of submissions down to just two candidates. One picture was of a calm lake. I can see it. I can think of Mary Lake. The lake was mere perfect, with four peaceful mountains towering around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. Everyone who saw this picture immediately felt peaceful. The other picture also had mountains, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and lightning struck the earth. And down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. And at first glance, the picture seemed to inspire ominous feelings rather than feelings of peace. But when the painter looked a bit harder, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing through a crack in the rock. And in that bush, a mother bird had built her nest. And there amid the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest, living her life, protecting her chicks, unconcerned by the drama that surrounded her. It was this painting that was awarded the prize. Why was the prize awarded to the second picture? Well, what kind of peace do you prefer? A peace manufactured through a peaceful setting or a peace that comes from within? What kind of peace is more useful to you right now? You know, real peace doesn't depend on peaceful circumstances. Real peace, like real love and like real joy that we've already looked at, come from within. They're a fruit of the Spirit. It is the overflowing fruit of a vital relationship with Christ. And real peace allows us to have calm souls in chaotic circumstances. Sounds good, doesn't it? Don't we all need more calm in our COVID circumstances? In Mark 4, we have the account of Jesus and the disciples in a boat during a terrible storm. You know, the storm was severe enough to make seasoned fishermen who had spent their whole life on this lake fearful for their lives. You know, the waves were crashing over the sides of the boat and the disciples couldn't bail fast enough. And Mark tells us the boat was just about to sink. Meanwhile, Jesus was asleep. You know, I love it. Everyone else was panicking and Jesus was sleeping. You know, maybe Jesus knew something about storms that his disciples didn't. You know, the disciples tried to handle the situation for as long as they could, but finally they realized they were about to, to literally be over their heads. So they woke Jesus up and they said, what did they say? They said, Lord, Sorry to disturb you, but could you please help us if, if you can? We know you can. We trust you, Lord. Is, is, is that what they said? Okay, they didn't say that exactly. What they said was, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? 
It's not their best moment. But it's understandable. We're not so different. When the storms rage around us and we feel afraid and abandoned, we can just as easily cry out, Lord, don't you care? Lord, wake up and calm this storm. But if they had just thought about it, how much danger were they really in? True, the storm was frightening and they were about to sink, but Jesus was with them. And nothing was going to happen to them without it also happening to Jesus. What's going on here? Was Jesus just bone tired? Possibly. Did the rocking of the waves lull him to sleep? Maybe. Was he trying to teach them something? He usually was. Maybe Jesus was demonstrating how we should face all the storms in our life. By that, I don't mean that we should all get depressed and sleep our lives away. No, I mean that Jesus could sleep because he knew his heavenly father was there watching over him and his father doesn't sleep. Nor does he slumber. He is never absent. He is never unaware. He is always with us in the storm. When John, David, and Graham were small, I had to throw in a cute picture somewhere along the way. When John, David, and Graham were small, we, we made a conscious decision to drag them around wherever we went. We purposely made sure that we weren't quiet around them, not that we had any ability to be quiet around them. Now, we wanted our kids to be able to sleep anywhere. We didn't want to make everything perfectly quiet for them so that the smallest noise would wake them up. So we would take them everywhere. They could sleep in the car, on our neighbor's Chesterfield, on the floor, in a chair standing up, hanging from their feet. It didn't matter to them. If they knew they were somewhere, they could sleep as long as we were there with them. How do you deal with the storms that threaten to sink your boat? Do you pick up a bucket and bail as fast as you can, or do you sleep well? Do you panic, or do you continue to have peace? J. Oswald Sanders once said, Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. That's what makes the difference. Real peace, lasting peace, unshakable peace is found nowhere other than in the presence of God. That's why David could say in Psalm 62 verse 8, Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. God's our safe place. He can always be trusted as a secure place where you can weather the storms of life without fear or worry. So so real peace isn't about escaping the storms of life. Real peace is about riding through the storms of life in the presence and power and security of God. 
God knows that we're going through a storm right now. And he's here. But you need to draw near to him. You know, there's no two-meter social distancing required with Jesus. Right? In Isaiah 9, verse 6, we have these familiar words. For unto us a child is born. For to, or to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Have you ever wondered why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace? I mean, why wasn't he called the Prince of Hope? It's a title that has a ring to it. How about the Prince of Love? Or the Prince of Salvation? Jesus could rightfully wear any of those royal titles, but God declares Jesus to be the Prince of Peace. Jesus' identification with peace goes even further than being the Prince of Peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Paul tells us that Jesus is also the Lord of Peace. In Ephesians 2.14, we're told that He Himself is our peace. Jesus is the embodiment of peace. Jesus is the source of peace. So if you want peace, you must go to Jesus. He is the only authorized distributor of peace in this world. Why do you think that is? Well, in order to stand, understand why Jesus has the market cornered on peace, you need to understand the process of peace. In Colossians 1.21, Paul describes our state before coming to Christ. He says, you know, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That describes every person that's ever lived other than Jesus himself. You may be an atheist or you may be religious. You may have loved your mother and you may like cats more than dogs. It doesn't matter. You're still part of this group. We all are. We all were. We were alienated from God. We were separated from Him. We weren't on speaking terms with Him. We were all practicing social distancing from Him. In fact, it was even worse than that. Paul declares that we were God's enemies. We were enemies in our minds. In our minds, we were enemies. In other words, the way we thought, the way we looked at the world, the way we processed information was twisted, and we weren't capable of seeing things from God's perspective. This was a deep-down brokenness that we all possessed when it came to how we approach God. Things aren't looking good, and they weren't looking good. You see, if you can't find peace with God, you can't find peace, and you haven't got peace with yourself or with anyone else either. Franz Gillipar, I should ask John, because he's Austrian, which is close to German. Um, John's not Austrian, but he was in Germany. Anyway, we'll talk after the sermon. How's that? 
Um, anyway, he said something really good here. Greatness is dangerous. One thing alone can bring happiness here on earth, and that is peace within us and a heart that knows no guilt. We think that what we really need is greatness, but greatness only brings more sorrow. doesn't bring happiness. doesn't bring peace. One thing alone can bring happiness. Peace within us in a heart that knows no guilt. And if that's the case, you can't have peace without also getting rid of guilt. And you can't get rid of guilt unless you have somehow a way to take care of the guilt of the things that have made you feel guilty. And our reality is that no one is able to take care of the things that make them feel guilty. The best we can do is bury them or ignore them or say they shouldn't make us feel guilty, even though our heart knows better. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus is our peace. You know, just a few verses above in verses 19 and 20 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul tells us, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Because Jesus lived a perfect life, and was already at peace with God, he was able to transfer his peace to us and to take upon himself our guilt and even our feelings of guilt. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians 3.16 for a moment. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. At all times in every way, the Lord be with you all. Amen. Who's in control of giving us peace? Well, Jesus is the Lord of peace. And how does he give peace? At all times, in every way. You know, think about that for a moment. Jesus is the Lord and Master of peace. He's the CEO of peace, and he has power, and he has the ability to give us peace at all times, in every way. Not just sometimes, in some ways, when he feels like it. Jesus can be our refuge of peace in any storm, at any time, in every way. You know, there's, there's no storms that he can't calm, but how do you access that calm? How do you receive that peace? Well, if you're a Christian, you already have it. You just need to access it. And how do you access it? Well, remember the series is, is on this the fruit of the Spirit. And peace is a facet of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit grows as we abide in Christ. As we focus on Christ, He who is our peace can speak peace into our lives every time in every situation. Philippians 4, 4-7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we have peace? By running to God, the God who gives us peace. We're we're to pray and plead before God. We're, We're to seek him as our refuge. And then we will find peace. We all have a choice. Either we can be anxious or we can have peace. Okay, but but what if you pray and you still don't have peace? Pray until you do. Pray until you do. What if you get to a place of peace, but then all of a sudden anxiety returns? Pray again until you have peace. Pray until your present understanding is overwhelmed by your faith. Which isn't to say that we close our eyes to our reality or the the seriousness of our situation. But really, what what does focusing on all the legitimate hazards of our present situation really do for us? Well, it, it might help us to take some necessary common sense advice to, to do what we can to protect ourselves and our loved one and, and, and our world right now. But after that, I mean, do we not know what we're supposed to be doing now? Has it still not sunk in yet, what we're supposed to be doing? If it has, turn the TV off. I would say turn the Facebook feed off, but that wouldn't be a good idea right now. Does dwelling on these things help in any way, is my point. It only makes waves appear bigger and the storm appear fiercer, right? More fierce. And after doing what you can, your understanding of the situation serves no further purpose. That is why you must guard your heart. There's a, there's a command here to guard your heart, to do something to make sure that your understanding does not overtake your faith. Guard your heart. You need to post the guard at your heart against all the flood of information that serves to cause anxiety. Instead, seek the peace that only Christ can supply. Remember, Jesus knows He knows you. He knows the situation. He saved you. He loves you. He cares for you ultimately. If Jesus' sacrifice removed the sting of death, then it only makes sense that we can trust him with our lives. Right? Look at the quality of peace that Jesus provides. What kind of peace is it? It's a peace that transcends Understanding that rises above understanding that trumps understanding. What does that mean? It means exactly what we've been talking about. When your circumstances are so chaotic that you can't possibly have peace, God is able to give you peace. Even when it doesn't make sense that you have peace. Other people look at your life and say, How can he or she keep it together? How can they cope? 
you know, with reasonable eyes, it doesn't make sense because we're used to thinking that a peaceful heart comes from peaceful circumstances. But God says, no, no, peace comes from me. Peace comes from me. I can give you peace when the world around you is a storm and your boat is sinking. I can make you sleep like a baby on the wind-tossed waves. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Just another way of saying, guard your mind, guard your heart. He, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. What, what's Yahweh saying to us? If we set our minds on Christ, if we grow in our trust of God, if we guard our minds and hearts, we won't have to find perfect peace. We can keep it. We can be kept in it. It's something we already possess. That we have to to do something or to change something in order to, to have it taken away from us. When we put our trust in Christ who died for our sins, we come into a right relationship with God. This gives us peace with God. Peace with God means peace of heart and peace of conscience. Wonderful peace. We, we have the absence of guilt and fear. In Christ we become those who belong to God's family. All because of God's grace. What he's accomplished for us. But the peace that God gives is not only the peace with him. It's also the peace of God. This is a peace that comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's peace of mind. It's freedom from the tyranny of anxiety and panic. In Matthew 6, Jesus declares, a very familiar passage, but listen to it with new ears and an open heart in this moment. Jesus declares in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or rape or rape, reap, sorry, store or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone? Can anyone? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God closes, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, 
What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will given, be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This isn't just a don't worry, be happy attitude. This isn't a put your head in the sand and pretend nothing is wrong approach to life. It's a settled trust in Yahweh's fatherly care. It's the absolute refusal to give in to anxieties. It's an act of the will in which we choose not to worry. Instead, we choose to pray and to trust God. And the whole Bible assures us that God can be trusted. So be at peace. Be at peace. Be at peace. Can we have peace during the stresses of life? Can can we have peace even now with all that is going on? With all my heart, I believe we can. In fact, I would go even further and say, now is the time when having this kind of peace matters the most because your peace is a powerful witness to the truth of the gospel and the power of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Peace matters now more than ever. Not just for your own peace, but for the peace of those who are watching. We're going to come to our time of communion now. You want to get yourself ready? Paul in, in Ephesians 2 wrote, Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You've been brought near. For he himself is our peace. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We have access to the Father by one spirit. He himself is our peace. He brought peace between us and God by paying the price for our sins. He brought peace by, and, and brought us near through his blood. Through him we have access to the Father by the Holy Spirit. As always, now is the time to reflect on the grace and the mercy of Yahweh. The, the grace and mercy that he exhibited for, for all of us to see in the coming and the ministry and the crucifixion of Christ. It's a time to confess our sin as it always is in this time. But today I want to also confess our fears. Let's confess our anxieties. And whatever else is blocking or stifling peace in your life, confess those things. Remember that the God who saved you 
saved you to bring you peace and also to make you an instrument of peace.